The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to... Varsity Club Podcast, Derek Peterson here, and joining me this week for the first time in what feels like a while, Greg Smith. I'm back. You're back. It, it does feel like it's been a long time, too long, since you've invited me back. How are you? I, I'm well. I'm well. I'm enjoying this nice weather. No, I hate there. this weather. No, why? Because it needs to pick something. It was like 30 well, degrees I don't like the yo-yo week ago. Because uh, I feel like everybody's going to be sick, but let's just stay where we are right now. No, no. But this is actual hoodie weather when it's like 60, and then we'll be good to go. It's yep, I said weather. it. Yeah, it is. It's like t-shirt weather. No, it, well, I, of course, I now have on a t-shirt right now. But Evidenced I by the I, fact that both of us are wearing t-shirts. <laughs> right. I had a hoodie on yesterday, <laughs> and it was about the same temperature. Oh, goodness. Uh, you doing okay after... The Lakers game? We're recording this Friday morning. Lakers played Thursday night. LeBron made his debut. You doing okay? I'm, I'm good. I said this to you off pod, um, and I've said this to you before leading up to the season. I'm trying to remain patient. I know that LeBron team starts slowly. I know it's going to, or when he joins the team, you know, first first season, they start slowly. I know that this team is going to take a little time to gel. They've got to figure out the rotations. But all that being said, time is ticking. Let's figure out these rotations. So you're and not, let's play some defense. You're not worried about Lonzo being just trash? I am worried about that. Now, that is probably the one thing that, that I am like actually concerned about. And the reason I'm concerned about it is twofold. One, he was trash. Um, no doubt about it. Two, he has a tendency to just float. And I believe I said this to you last year during the season. This is like one of the things that bugs me about him is that he's not – he can go stretches of time without just – like it doesn't feel like he's out there. And he if he's going to fade into the background like that with some of the guys that they have on this team, it will be easy for him to do that. That's not a good sign. Plus, I need him to play well to have trade value so we can get the guy that killed us last night, Damian Lillard. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. Uh, on the podcast today, we are going to welcome in uh, from the Pioneer Press, Andy Greeter, who covers Minnesota Gophers, and also Minnesota United FC soccer team. So shout out the other football. Um, he's going to join us in a little bit to talk about Minnesota and the opponent that is coming into Memorial Stadium this weekend. We have a home game for the first time in two weeks. It's awesome. It's a Friday, and I'm sitting here in Lincoln. I got to go to sleep in my own bed. <laughs> I get to go to sleep in my own bed tonight. It's awesome after, like, two weeks of traveling. God, I needed some I, – I need a bye week. <laughs> Everybody a, needs a bye week. Can we have a bye week? It would be nice. we got to play stupid Bethune-Cookman. They, um, they need to win. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they do need to win. They're 0-6 right now. Nebraska is, obviously. Um, I don't know why I needed to say that. Sorry for killing you if I just killed you. Um, <laughs> this weekend, they have a real chance. They're favored. The line, they, they were favored when the line opened. They think they're still favored now. Yeah. Um, this feels like a game... To me, this this Minnesota game, I, I guess that's just what we'll talk about off the cuff. We'll just talk about this game because there's not really much else to talk about. We've talked about the same things for six weeks now. Um, so this game, to me, it feels like if you could diagnose like a get-better-quick pill for a football team, like one game uh-huh. where it's like nothing is going right for you, you're really down in the dumps, you need a win, 
this feels like that game because Minnesota's inconsistent offensively, um, inconsistent running the ball. They've got a really young quarterback that's turnover prone in, in Big Ten play so far. He's got something like nine turnovers in Big Ten play. And then they have a defense that is pretty good stopping the run, but sucks stopping the pass. And over the last two weeks, they, they've really, really regressed in that regard. Um, they've lost probably their best defensive player in Antoine Winfield Jr., their, their defensive back. He's out for the season, and that hurt. But this is a team that over the last two weeks has given up you know, I have the numbers, and I'll list the numbers later, but it's something like 700 yards passing and like seven touchdowns against just one interception. Um, this feels like a game where things can start clicking for Nebraska on both sides of the ball, and things can, can stay clicking for an extended period of time, which hasn't been the case this season. Do you agree with me? I do agree with you. Okay. that It does feel like that sort of game going into it. Um, and, and Nebraska, like, it's so weird because you, you feel I feel – not confident at all saying that this should be a game in which Nebraska comes out, plays a little angry, and really dominates the football game. Like, it should be that type of game. Mm-hmm. We just haven't seen consistent enough plays, um, and like you said, sustaining that sort of situation mm-hmm. um, throughout this season at all. Like, we just have not seen that, so it's hard to really say that's going to happen. But it does feel like if it was ever going to happen, this is the type of game that it should be, and the type of team, um, sorry, that should uh, actually have um, that sort of result for Nebraska. Like, I think they should be able to do it. It's a matter of whether or not they can actually go out and execute consistently. Nebraska has been building, though, right, since the Michigan game. Like, that's the sense that I get. Since that Michigan game, things have been going up yes yes you had to produce in certain aspects yes you had the purdue game um where it was like a long time ago it does things were okay you had the wisconsin game where things were okay a little bit better you were on the road against a really tough wisconsin team not as great as wisconsin has been but still a really tough wisconsin team on the road and and there were signs where it's like okay this team is not going to get blown out by wisconsin and then you have the Northwest, blah, the Northwestern game, if I could talk, where it looked really good for stretches. Uh-huh. And you're up 28-14 in the fourth quarter, and you still lose. Um, this week, I feel, to me, this is just the vibe that I'm getting from the team right now, talking about how like they've turned a corner, and this was the best week of practice we had, blah, blah, blah. To me, this feels like a game where Nebraska is going to win by 20. Yep. I can see them scoring 40 on Minnesota. That would be great. Um, and I and again, it feels like that should be the case. Um, it's just whether or not they're going to execute. Um, and I, I do like that. I like the tone and the mood from the team. I think Troy Walters used the word mad. Um, mm-hmm. cause I remember telling you way at the beginning of the week that I would like to see an angry tone from this team this week. And I didn't quite see it fully. Like, I didn't see everyone angry, but I did see most everyone determined, mm-hmm. at least, um, to put the Northwestern game behind them and to really come out um, and, and get a victory um, tomorrow against Minnesota. Like, I, I did see enough of that fire. Uh, so I like where they are mentally because I, I feel like remember going into that Purdue game the reason I didn't like Nebraska going into Purdue game is I feel like they would have such a still like a mental letdown and not be able to get over those mental hurdles I feel like to have to steal their phrase but it does feel like they're turning a corner with that um and again it helps when you're playing a team like Minnesota who is the perfect team at the perfect time to be playing uh, to get over that hump yeah, because and, and at perfect time as well. Like you said, yep. they they started three and zero. They've lost three straight in Big Ten. They play. didn't play anybody in those three games, right? They played like a really good Fresno State team. Was it Fresno? Okay. And, and Fresno sitting right now at the top of the Mountain West Conference. They've only got they're five and one right now. Their only loss is that Minnesota game. Um, but 
caveat, Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm-hmm. is the one that sealed He's that really win. really good, too. Yeah. Uh, with a really, really incredible interception in the back of the end zone mm-hmm. at the end of the game. Um, what it... What gets fixed? Is there is there something that gets fixed this week? Because I think there, there's so much. There's a lot of positivity around an 0 6 team right now, but there's still a lot of things that need to be addressed. There's still a lot of issues that they have. What so? If they win this game, what what is one thing that has been fixed that has led to that win? Or is it simply just Minnesota is not a very good team and and things are kind of hitting it at the right moment for Nebraska. You have to hope that something gets fixed and that leads to Nebraska winning the game because that leads to sustained success over the back half of the season, right? You don't want to come out of this game saying, man, Minnesota was so trash that Nebraska ended up winning the game because then you just don't feel good about the direction of what's going to happen over the, the next five games, right? But I don't think that'll be the case. I think that, to me, the thing that'll get fixed is the offensive consistency. I think Nebraska will be able to move the ball consistently and put like consecutive drives together against Minnesota, and especially if you see that at the beginning of the game. So if Nebraska goes up, I don't know, seventeen to seven um, or twenty to nothing, something like that. Ooh. That I think would be a huge, huge deal, obviously, for this team to then be able to play exactly the way they want to play. Like that—that's the sort of thing that Nebraska, I think, is capable of doing in this game. Again, they just have to go out and do it, and I'm going to keep saying that um, because we just haven't seen enough of that. But I do think they're capable of doing something like that this weekend. Right, we haven't seen enough of that, so it's hard to predict that. Like last week, 27.50 of game clock between touchdown and second touchdown. Scored on the first drive, didn't score again until 42 seconds before the end, before the end of the first half. That stuff cannot continue to happen. Right. And if they get up 20 to nothing... Even if it's just like twenty to three or twenty to seven, like yeah. the place. No, it might be. Rocking. It might be hard to I'm, twenty to nothing is going to be hard because I just don't see the defense not giving up anything. So yeah, twenty to seven. <laughs> if we say that, but that yeah, still be, the place would still be rocking. That would be something. Yeah. yeah, but that's the that's the key I think for Nebraska in this one is I guess that's what we'll talk about next. I think the biggest thing for them this week is going to be getting a lead and getting not just a one score lead, but stringing two or three drives together to begin the game where you score two or three times or you get maybe 10 points and you can flip field position. You can you can put together drives that aren't just three and outs and putting the defense back on the field. Because if you can get a lead against Minnesota, they're not a very explosive team. Um, they're not a very good kind of grinding out drives and sustaining drives. They're not that great of a team. They don't have... A, they've got a really inconsistent rushing game, so it's going to be on Zach Anikstead to to move the ball and beat Nebraska. And I think the strength of Nebraska's even so far has been the front seven. Like they haven't been terrible guarding the run. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I just thinking about what we've seen. And they seen, had a good week last week, which a lot of the Northwestern is bad. But a lot of those front. But the reason I bring that up though is that a lot of those front seven guys mentioned that as kind of a confidence builder. I know that Northwestern is bad rushing the football, and they don't do it very often. Um, but even if you see it happen in a game like that, that might give you some positive momentum in that direction. Yeah, let me look up their run defensive numbers. Oh, yikes. <laughs> it wasn't as good as you thought? Not as good as I thought. Yeah. 63rd in marginal efficiency. 42nd in opportunity rate, 80th in stuff rate, 121st in marginal explosiveness. So not good. Yikes. Yeah, they've given up. I feel like like the yards per carry is fairly high, too. Like, I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like I, I feel like that's the case as well. 
because it was because remember we were saying for a little bit that the pass defense was the strength of the team surprisingly and the secondary had improved but well, the that's pass what rush the numbers say and then last week happened 73rd in marginal efficiency against the pass 32nd in explosiveness so they haven't been they haven't been terrible they're not giving up huge plays Huge, but teams huge, are dri- teams place. are driving down the field on them. But also they had been putting some some short fields as well mm-hmm. um, because special teams blunders and turnovers. Yeah, which has gotten better. Isaac Ooh, Armstrong, shout out. A hundred and tenth in special teams S and P plus out of one hundred thirty teams. Is that bad? Guess what Minnesota's is. Hundred and fourteenth. No. Second. No. That's a big jump. <laughs> you go from one extreme to the other. <laughs> What is it? Minnesota is... I had it pulled up, and it's not pulled up anymore. 15th. It's pretty good. Special teams. Efficiency. 15th. Maybe a sneaky key. Did you see Maurice Washington tweeted that he's guaranteeing a return touchdown this season? I did see that. Did you see that? I did. Does that happen this week? No. I would like cool. to see it. It would be really cool, um, especially to like get the game going and then start to start them off on the right foot. Um, no, I don't. I don't see it this week though. I do see it in his future though, but not necessarily. Imagine Nebraska takes the ball and returns it on the opening kickoff for a touchdown. It'd be such a sigh of relief. Yeah, I feel and like then a let's go kind of. A... The entire state would just like exhale. Yeah, and a lot of stuff would be like let out. It'd be great. It would be. We were talking about keys. A key to the game for me, and I got way off track, partially because I was wrong. Um, build a lead early. Yep. What's a key for you? Get two takeaways. So okay. I think multiple takeaways in this game will put Minnesota in a really bad position. So think about the way that Nebraska's defense has had to play for the majority of this season um, because the offense had been turning the ball over so much. If you can flip that and have Minnesota's defense playing that way and playing on their heels because of that, um, then I think that that could be a really big thing for Nebraska. Just make things a little bit easier on yourself um, by creating some of those big plays. Let's reverse course a little bit and talk about the Northwestern loss. So Nebraska is 0-6. A lot of the discussion since then has been dominated by one question. I wrote about it on Monday, talent. So I guess we're not really going to talk about the the Northwestern loss. We're more going to talk about Nebraska's season as a whole. Um, This team right now, are they truly an 0-6 team with no talent or, or not enough talent to win football games? Or is something else plaguing them? No, something else is plaguing them. I feel like this team, and I'm going to say it plainly and then explain. I feel like that for the most part they're mentally weak, um, but I'll explain why. Like I feel like if you it's very harsh, it is. But I'll kind of explain. Like if if you look at kind of the history of what's happened over the last couple of years, so this team in the last off the top of my head, what 14 games is what four and no. They went 4-8 and eight last year, right? And mm-hmm. <laughs> now they're 0-6, mm-hmm. right? So that's not good. Like, there's a lot of guys still left over from that team that 
it, it just has not been going well for them, and they can't figure out a way to get over that hump or to break that cycle. Um, we know that the team had some problems at the end of last year, and it's come up a ton um, about how many guys kind of gave up or packed it in. Um, you have that. It's natural to then at the beginning of this season have that um, kind of woe is me, oh no, it's happening again kind of a feeling, especially after a loss like that loss to Troy. Um, and, and so I, I just feel like that sort of mental toughness that they don't necessarily have is what has been the biggest factor to me in this 0-6 start. Now, I think they have enough talent to not be 0-6. I think it's crazy if you don't think that they have more than 0-6 talent. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are, inside of that, a lot of different parts that they do need better talent or need better play. But also something that should not go unsaid is they need better coaching in a lot of spots as well. There have been some spots, whether it's play calling, whether it's special team stuff, whether it's defensive play calling, so offensive and defensive play calling. There's just all areas have been bad at different times for Nebraska this year. How much of the play calling is not fully trusting that you can call whatever you want and the defense can execute it? It's a a huge deal. (laughs) Like, I think, and I actually think that's a big deal on both sides of the ball. I think that there have been times where Scott calls a play and thinks that that's going to be a big play and it goes for, say, negative two yards and then he gets nervous and then he gets off schedule, or not nervous, but just unsettled, um, and then he gets off of his schedule of what he wants to call in a given drive and it throws everything off, right? I think there are also times where um, Chenander wants to call a blitz or does call a blitz, then you see like in the Northwestern game where you have a bust and then you get a touchdown or you call another blitz and two guys run into each other like there's all sorts of things that I think are keeping the staff from really turning it loose when it comes to their play calling which also comes back to execution but I don't know if do you blame that solely on the players for not executing or do you also show put some of that blame on the shoulders of the coaches for not teaching them better I don't know which way to really go on that but I think it's both (laughs) is what I usually lean towards I don't think either are all the way 100% to blame for anything. Yeah, I don't know which way to go either because this is, like, everyone wants immediate results and everyone tends to forget this is year one. Right. They <laughs> had one off season to completely change not only an, an offensive system and a defensive system, but completely overhaul a culture of a football program. Like, there are things that you just cannot get to in one off season. And maybe some of these detail things that are affecting them, the misalignments, the things like that, more of the, the intricacies of both the offense and the defensive schemes, those are things that you just you cannot teach fully in one offseason. That stuff comes later. You teach them how to, how to play fast and how to practice hard and how to do the, the intangible things that you want them to do in year one so that it looks decent, so that it looks like they're playing hard. And then some of the – this is just my take on the situation, but some of the intricacies – those come later. Those don't. You don't master those in one off season. And so when I see people like, oh, you're giving me no, I don't. No, no, no. no I, I, I'll have something to add. <laughs> when I see people trashing on the coaching staff, it's like, I mean, they're a little bit handicapped by circumstance. They're a little bit handicapped by not having the players in the system that they need. Uh, which comes in recruiting, but it's not a talent issue. It's a they need more depth. They definitely need. Um, that. I, I I don't know. I just I put more of the blame on execution than I do on play calling. Uh-huh. 
which is fair. I, I don't think that that I don't I don't think that that's necessarily wrong either way. But what I was what I was going to say is even on so as you're explaining kind of you know you get to the intricacies later and you have to get the basics of say the the, the offense and all of that stuff down now to peel that back another layer. I think there's a whole another situation that the staff had to kind of instill and teach from the ground up, and that's just how they want their football team to look, kind of look and behave, right? And what I mean by that is how I want all of my guys at the training table for all of their meals, how I want you to never miss a workout, how I want you to never miss class, how I want you to treat people um, when you see them outside of the football um, offices. Like, all of that stuff really, really matters to Scott mm-hmm. Frost, right? Um, and I'm just, like, 100%. It matters a lot. To the point um, where he's mentioned in press conferences, he's like, yes. I want to know how, guys, you need to be treating the people that serve you food the right way. Yes. Like, those those have actually been mentioned in public press conferences. Yeah, like, those are actual quotes. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it's not like a behind-the-scenes, like, hush-hush whisper kind of a thing that that stuff matters to him. Like, it, he said it publicly, so you know it really matters, right? Um, and so those sorts of things is you're building a an entire program and you're rebuilding a culture that's a whole nother thing outside of just getting like the new schemes installed Mm -hmm. right like they're they're, i I feel like a lot of this stuff comes down to underestimating how much of a rebuild he was going to have to do but you also have to throw in there that it's not an owen six rebuild they should still be better than 0-6. But I think there was way more stuff that needed to be fixed. And he remembered, though, to his to Scott's credit, he said this in the beginning. Remember, and we kind of just kind of looked at him a little sideways, or at least I did when he first said, you know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed. I think he said, I forget mm-hmm. the exact quote, but he said that line exactly. Um, and people, and I know a lot of fans are just like, yeah, that's just coach speak. And then now you kind of see that there, to his mind, there was a lot that needed to be fixed, and there really have it's proven to be that way um, through the first six game of the season. But still, they shouldn't be 0-6. Well, and he says it all the time. He says we had so much we had to get done this offseason. Here, here's the here's the a little nugget that you can look at and say, like this shows kind of what you were saying. So when Scott gets that, that was a terrible way of phrasing it, but just bear with me. When Scott got asked all off-season long, what does success look like in year one? Everybody wanted him to put a win total on it. Everybody wanted him to put, like, oh, we have to make a bowl game. He never said any of that. No. It was always, we have to get better day by day. Does that not point to a team that cannot realistically shoot for those things and has a crap ton of things that it has to fix? If you're just saying we need to get better day by day and you're not putting any kind of tangible... You're not putting a win total on it. You're not putting a we have to hit X, Y, and Z. We just got to get better day by day. That, 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 to me, tells me that you have so much that you have to change that you cannot single down one or two things and pare it down to just we got to go six and six. Yeah, and, and I think that – and it's funny because even in that – and I believe this week he's still saying that, mm-hmm. that they have a lot that they had to fix and they're still getting better and trying to get better. But again, you guys, you guys better get us now because we're going to be good. Because I think he said something to the effect of, and I apologize for not having the actual quote of that. You still like he didn't say you better get us now. 
Oh, I'm trying to think of the the exact way that he phrased like something like I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to be really good. Like something to that effect because I know he's like he believes that. Like and I think that he like in his mind I think to to be as successful as he's been in the past you have to have that self-assurance. Um but he definitely believes that they're they're going to get those things fixed. There was just a lot of them, a lot of things that had to get done before they can really take off. I know exactly what course you're talking about. I'm going to try to pull it up real fast. Yeah, it, w- it was really interesting because it struck me again because he doesn't he doesn't waver. Because one of the things that I was telling you early in the week, besides the fact that I wanted to see them angry, was that I did want to see if they still had that confidence. And talking to you after the Monday press conferences and Mike Babcock as well, is I thought that the team is starting to take a little bit of Scott's personality where they don't feel like they're ever really out of it or they don't feel completely down and mm-hmm. I think that's because A. Scott is very confident but this coaching staff is really positive like and that's been talked about this week too is that they come to work positive with a smile on their faces every day too and it emulates down to the players yeah 100% here's the quote he was talking about the fans he said I hope a lot of those people see the progress that we're making we had a lot of work to do it isn't where we want it to be right now but wait and see yeah I assume that's the quote that yeah. you're talking about yeah we're going to take a break and get to my uh, conversation with Andy Greeter from the Pioneer Press. Talk about Minnesota, and when we come back, we will get Greg's prediction on the football game this weekend. Let's turn to some Minnesota talk now, and for that, I want to welcome in Andy Greeter to the pod. Andy covers the Gophers for the Pioneer Press. Uh, we'll link to his Twitter in the descriptions. So give him a follow. Uh, keep tabs on the Gophers. Andy, are you currently on route to Lincoln as we podcast? I am. I'm on my way to MSP Airport right now. It'll be great to have you. You uh, you might need to to bring a winter jacket and also some shorts. The weather here is kind of pissing me off lately with how much it keeps changing. Yeah, I mean, I think we got to hold on to any last gasps of, of summer or fall like weather as we can here in the in the Midwest. See, I'm like completely different. I grew up in Oklahoma, so anytime there's the chance okay. for snow, I get really excited about it. All right, all right, nice, nice. Well, yeah, I think so. There should be some opportunities here coming on, coming yeah. up. <laughs> you uh, you tweeted out a Zlatan Ibrahimovic quote the other day. Did you get to talk to Zlatan? Uh, I did not. I did not. I, I had seen that he uh, spoke to LA media, um, so they're coming uh, to oh, Minnesota okay. here this weekend. So no, I didn't. I didn't get to talk to the infamous uh, Zlatan. But uh, yeah, he uh, he's coming to Minnesota here to play uh, Minnesota United on Sunday and. Minnesota's trying to set a uh, soccer attendance record for a Minnesota team, and Zlatan's trying to take credit for it. So that, uh, that's kind of just supreme, supreme Zlatan right there. Yeah, perfect Zlatan fashion. So you chose football over, well, probably not chose, but you're covering football in Nebraska over uh, soccer in Minnesota. I'll be, I'll be in both places, my man. I'll be, I'm flying out of Omaha uh, early Sunday morning in time to get back uh, for that game Sunday afternoon. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, for sure. A little double dip, two games this weekend. A little bit of football, a little bit of other football. That's um, right, yeah. <laughs> let's get back to the gridiron. Minnesota started 3-0 and with wins over New Mexico State, a good Fresno State team, uh, which is, yeah. I think, their only loss right now. And then Minis- uh, Miami, Ohio. Um, they've since lost three straight to Maryland, Iowa, and Ohio State. Is it as simple of an explanation as Minnesota just played well in non-conference and then big boy football started or how, how have we gotten to this point? Uh, I think we've gotten to this point in the fact that, you know, the level of competition is raised. I think that they're looking at the Fresno state win, who you said 
uh, is only losses to Minnesota. And I think they've got five other wins and probably the favorite in the mountain West that Boise state has kind of tripped up a few times here this year. So they look at that as a quality win, um, you know, and then after that kind of the level of competition raised in the big 10 and they've had defensive issues. You know, the first game against Maryland, they gave up 315 yards on the ground. And then the last two weeks, given up 300 and 400 yards in the air to Iowa and Ohio State. So they've had defensive issues. And one of the big things that happened right away at the start of Big Ten play is they lost their best defensive player, Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, the safety son of Antoine Winfield, who played for the Buckeyes and had a long NFL career for the Vikings and other people. And, you know, when they lost him, so much of their defense was focused around him and his playmaking ability to be able to come down and be a safety in the box, to be a nickel, to be a guy that could match up on a player like J.D. Spielman uh, one-on-one. And, you know, they lost him uh, to a Liz Frank injury, and and he's gone for the year. So their defense has suffered accordingly because they don't have a lot of depth, especially in the secondary. Right. Um, Well, I want to talk about the defense in a second, but let's start with the offense. So so Minnesota started a – a true freshman walk-on quarterback in Zach Anikstead. Um, n- not quite a true, true walk-on in the sense he had other FBS scholarship offers and he's a legacy Minnesota. So that's where he ends up. He wins the job. I wrote a preview about this team back in July and the quarterback situation looked like the stuff of coaching nightmares. Um, how would you grade the first six games of Zach's Minnesota career? Uh, I think improving. Um, he's shown some promise at times. Uh, he's been an upgrade over what they had last year and, and have had in previous years. Uh, so the fact that he's a true freshman and is showing some promise, I think, is encouraging uh, to go for fans. Uh, but, yeah, he's had some struggles. He's had multiple interceptions in every uh, Big Ten game this year, and that's come back to bite him because they're not good enough, they're not you know, deep enough, and uh, need every sort of break that they can get. So when Zach has thrown interceptions multiple and all Big Ten games, that's, uh, that's really stubbed their toe and set them back as they tried to get wins. He's had some issues with some deep balls, uh, either underthrowing or overthrowing, and that was something that wasn't seen uh, out of camp. So people are, are thinking, okay, well, he's going to be able to settle down and he's going to get locked in uh, with some of those throws. He's also you know, been playing hurt. He uh, hurt his ankle uh, towards the end of non-conference play and has been limited at times. With that, uh, part of the offensive issues is the offensive line has struggled. They gave up you know, five sacks uh, to the Hawkeyes and and uh, given up four and three, respectively, to, to Maryland and Miami. So uh, they made a change along the offensive line and brought in giant Daniel Fa'alele, an Australian who's 6'9", 400 pounds. And he's been, uh, he played really well in his first start in the horseshoe. And, uh, you know, they gave up only two sacks and were able to run the ball at a pretty good clip. So they're able to protect for Zach a little bit more. Maybe he's able to connect with more deep balls. So when you were running through the offense, like if I close yeah. my eyes and just picture an offense, I'm picturing Nebraska's offense too. Um, I feel like, a, you know, like Nebraska's inconsistent offensively as well. And I feel like a yeah. lot of that is just, is that just what comes with the territory of a young quarterback that's trying to learn how to play college football? I think so. Um, I think, you know, the one that I think Nebraska has over the Gophers is, you know, Martinez's ability to run. Zach is, is more of a pocket passer. Uh, they do do some read option. Uh, they, they've done some kind of lead option uh, as well recently. And, 
and Zach is more times than not going to give that ball. So uh, that's a wrinkle that, that Nebraska has over Minnesota. Yeah, I think there is going to be growing pains when you have a young quarterback as they try to make the leap up to college football from playing high school football and not having a redshirt year to kind of acclimate to the system and, and the speed of the game. Uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's been uh, some, some issues for Minnesota. I think that they like what they have in a wide receiving core. You know, for so many years, the Gophers have only had one go-to receiver, and now they feel like they've got uh, three capable wide receivers that uh, you can't just focus on one. Right. Let's uh, The running game, they had 300 yards rushing in the opener. They haven't gone over 200 since. Um, they, it was over five, point, or five yards per carry in the first game and in this last game against Ohio State. And the games in between, they've been under three yards per carry. It, it, would a more consistent rushing attack, how much of, it, how much of that would help Zach? Well, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, going into the year, uh, Roddy Smith, the uh, senior running back, was looked to as, as a guy that was going to uh, be someone for Zach to rely on as he climbed the, the Gophers' all-time rushing and all-purpose yard charts. And he, you know, tore his ACL in the first series against Fresno State. So when they lost him, and that was coupled with fellow senior running back Shannon Brooks tearing his ACL in winter workouts. So what was a position of strength last year and and seemingly going into at least, you know, this year before those injuries as a position of strength is now down to freshmen. So Muhammad Ibrahim has been quality. Like I said, he won uh, Big Ten Freshman of the Week last week at Ohio State. And uh, they've been relying on him. But, again, it's a guy that is getting his first taste of college football. And like I alluded to earlier, you know, the offensive line play has hurt him as well. So, yeah, so, you know, they've lost their best player on offense in Rodney Smith and and their best player on defense in Antoine Winfield Jr. And the Gophers are, are one of the youngest teams in college football, if not the youngest, based on the number of freshmen they have. And uh, when you lose your two best players and you turn to freshmen, uh, you're going to have uneven results. Right. Let's pivot to the defense now. By S and P plus ratings, the offense is 103rd in the country, and the defense is 23rd. Um, how, I, I know you've talked about kind of defensive struggles, and they have. There has been a little bit of regression over the last couple of weeks since Big Ten play started. But how would you grade out the way the defense has played over the course of the entire season? I think you know they've they've had to focus on stopping one element of the other team's offense. You know they got gashed against Maryland. 300 yards rushing and they've decided okay we're going to try to put our strength which is our front seven to stop the other team's running game and then try to keep everything behind or in front of us in the secondary and that's what for the most part they've been able to do they've held Iowa and Ohio State like I said under 100 yards rushing in both of their games and have tried to keep you know Nate Stanley and Dwayne Haskins uh, from throwing over the top and you know Nate Stanley and Haskins have both had a lot of success. Stanley had four touchdowns. Stanley had, or excuse me, yeah, Stanley had four and Haskins had three, and both of them went over 300, if not 400 yards passing. Um, so it's kind of been pick your poison a little bit, but the Gophers feel like they've got experience and some quality in their front seven. And if they're able to stop the run, keep things in front of them defensively, that's how they feel their best formula is right now. Right, and that and that front seven for anybody that, that hasn't paid too much attention to Minnesota. So the three linebackers, Kamal Martin, Thomas Barber, and 
the third guy Blake I'm forgetting Cashman. is Blake Cashman. Yes, Blake Cashman. And then their rush defensive end Carter Coughlin. They seem to really yeah. be the heart and soul of, of that defensive unit. Um they've got a large large chunks of most of Minnesota's defensive production through six games. Are you looking for that group to have a big game this weekend against a Nebraska offensive line that has been pretty consistent or inconsistent, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to be the playmakers. All four of those guys are actually Minnesota kids as well. So there's a a point of pride for the Gophers that all of those guys are, are homegrown players. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Blake Cashman leads uh, the big 10 in sacks with seven. He's uh, a kind of a one man pass rush. You know, they haven't had a a defensive lineman with a sack until Jared Gibson got one against the Buckeyes last week. So it's been him and, and nobody else. And he's been doing a good job. He's, He's undersized. He's probably uh, 240 pounds. So he's given up, you know, 60, 70 pounds to offensive tackles on every snap. But he uh, picks his spots, and he is relentless and has quality speed rush and a few moves on top of it. So, yeah, he's the guy that is going to probably most likely have pass protection rolled to him, have tight ends chipping him, have backs chipping him, uh, because if you're able to take him away, you're not going to get much else as far as pass rush as you haven't, at least up to this point from the Gophers, you know, Blake Cashman is their best linebacker uh, pro football focus, put him on the first team at, at the midseason grades. Uh, he's uh, very instinctual, very quick, strong tackler. Uh, he's got a few sacks to his own name and uh, he's probably the number one linebacker right now. Thomas Barber, you know, son of uh, you know Marion Barber and uh, Dom Barber, and Mary Barber the second, you know, legacy gopher who uh, has played well. I think he was second or third in the Big Ten last year in tackles. Uh, he's not has been around the football quite as much this year. And Kamal Martin is a, a freak athlete, but he also hasn't showed up all the time for the Gophers. So, yeah, I mean they're they're probably going to be what out there. They're 310 pound tackle and OJ Smith. He was out for the Ohio State game with a concussion and in a revised uh, depth chart, he was taken off of it. I wouldn't expect him to play. Uh, so they're going to be turning to you know, a true freshman in uh, Jamal Teague, uh, as well as a uh, Iowa Western transfer in Royal Silver uh, to try and fill in there. So there might be opportunities uh, for the Huskers to run the ball as, as the Gophers a little shorthanded at that spot. Oh, for, for, Nebraska's, for all of Nebraska's woes, they have moved the ball this season. Like the, the three straight games yeah. for them of at least 480 yards of offense. Adrian Martinez has J.D. Spielman and Stanley Morgan Jr. to throw the ball to. Um, Minnesota's yeah. back end, you referenced it a little bit ago, but I've got the, the exact numbers. The, the secondary has given up 726 yards, seven scores, 67% completion rate, and they've only picked off one pass over the last two games against Iowa and Ohio State. Are you at all concerned for the Gophers with the matchup between that Minnesota secondary and this Nebraska passing game? Absolutely. That's why I have Nebraska winning the game, getting their first win this year, uh, because that's been such a glaring weakness for the Gophers. And, and uh, the Cornhuskers have been able to uh, be successful in that, in that uh, matchup on the field. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an issue. I think, uh, you know, the Gophers, number one corner, Terrell Smith, a true freshman, uh, has showed some signs of brilliance at times and, and some speed to be able to play in the Big Ten. He also was out in the Ohio State game with a head injury, and uh, he's still on the depth chart. It seemed like it was maybe a borderline, uh, him being out against Ohio State. So, you know, if that's still the case, if he's been symptom-free, I would imagine that he plays on Saturday, so that'll be good for the Gophers. They really miss 
him. Uh, but yeah, like we talked at the top, Antoine Winfield Jr. out and not a lot of depth behind him. They've had to convert a, a cornerback to play safety and Antonio Schnault and, and he's had issues in the secondary with, uh, you know, blown coverages or not being able to make plays. So yeah, that's uh, that is the number one uh, advantage that the Cornhuskers have over the Gophers going into Saturday. What about the number one advantage that Minnesota has? I think conversely, I think the the Gophers have been able to show that they can uh, pass the ball, uh, and if they're able to kind of connect on some some big gainers, uh, they're going to be able to to be successful. Now Zach is Zach Anderson, their quarterback, is going to have to you know eliminate uh, you know plays down the uh, excuse me interceptions, uh, so that's going to be an issue for them. So if they're able to do that, I think that they can have some success there. Okay. Before we get to your prediction, you kind of touched on it already, but I want to ask you about uh, Nebraska's season as a whole. There's been a lot of talk around whether this team is as bad as its 0-6 record would suggest. Um, I don't know how much you've been able to watch, but do you have any thoughts on just Nebraska's season and how it's gone to this point? Yeah. um, You know, I I certainly don't see them as a a winless team. I mean, the, the way that they lost against Northwestern, giving up that lead, giving up that 99 yard drive, all of those things show that, you know, this is a team that's more snake bitten than a true winless team. So, you know, I, I, I look at the Troy loss and, and that is glaring. I think you can explain some things away in, in other games. You know, I mean, not having that opener, uh, was it against Akron where they got the weather uh, caused them to yep. not play, you know, yep. that set things back to have to play a Colorado team who came sprinting out of the gate and, and has some playmakers. Uh, so, you know, I think that that is kind of a wash for them and also it turns out to be a pretty quality foe. You know, Michigan is showing who they are. So that blowout, you know, you can say, okay, well, you know, given the struggles in Frost's first year, that's, that, you know, that, those kinds of things happen against a, a team that's established and maybe one of the best in the Big Ten. Uh, so those those you can kind of, live with the Purdue loss might sting a little bit more just because of the way Nebraska views itself and Purdue probably being looked at as, as a lesser team. But as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, I mean, Purdue can, can light up the scoreboard. Uh, so yeah, PJ Fleck thinks that, you know, this Nebraska team is, is a four and two, five and one team uh, as opposed to an and six team. So you know, these views are, are being held in Minnesota that this isn't a true winless game. All right, man, let's uh, let's get a score prediction for the game, and we can get you out of here. Yeah, I got uh, Nebraska 23, uh, Minnesota 20. Uh, like we talked about, I just don't think that the Gophers' pass defense is going to be able to hold Martinez, Spielman, and Morgan in check uh, to be able to win the game. I think that you know, the Gophers are minus six in turnover margin uh, in Big Ten play. That's really hurt them. And uh, you know, playing in a, in a place that's difficult to play, uh, for a second week in the uh, in a row is going to be difficult, and you know I just don't uh, see the Gophers being able to pull out a road win right now. All right, Andy Greeter, Pioneer Press, covering the Gophers. Andy, great stuff. I think you've earned a lot of Husker fans on this podcast. Uh, thanks for coming on, dude. All right, I appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, you too. Have a safe flight, and we'll uh, we'll see you when you get to Lincoln. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, man. See you.
Big thanks to Andy for coming on the podcast. Like I said before, I will link to his Twitter account in the description. So if you guys want to follow him, want to keep tabs on what Minnesota is doing throughout the course of, I don't know, whatever. I don't know your life. Do whatever. Follow him if you want. Greg, let's turn back to you. Minnesota game this weekend. 2.30 kickoff. Nebraska's 0-6. Minnesota's 3-3. Huskers are favored. What happens? I I have the Huskers winning. I do not feel confident in this necessarily, but I'm still going to do it anyway, publicly. I'm going to pick Nebraska to win 38-21 in this game. It's pretty close to mine. Is it? Yeah. I I just feel like this is a game where Nebraska should come out, play angry, and really exert their will over Minnesota. Like It feels like it should be that type of game. I feel like it's time for them to actually go out there and do it. It's a huge weekend for them. Like I, I just feel like they have to go out there and do it, um, and I think they're going to finally realize that opportunity. I've got it 41-24. Okay. Most points they've scored all season long. I think everything just comes to a head this weekend. All the frustration of being 0-6, all the, the frustration of what has caused them to go 0-6, I think things start to click a little bit offensively. Um, and they and, and things have clicked a little bit. I mean, they, they have produced yards. Scott said this week, stats don't matter. We want wins. I think their stats this week will translate to wins. Um, four, three straight times they've gone over 480 yards of total offense. That hasn't happened since 2007. They have a chance to make it four straight this week, which which hasn't happened since 2000. Wow. Frank Solich was coaching. Um, Solich? Solich. Every single week. Every I, single week. That's no, I was going to let that slide. That's how the brutal boodle thing happened. Um, <laughs> Solich. Solich was coaching. It hasn't happened since 2000. I think, it, I think it'll happen again this week. Okay. I think Nebraska will be able to move the ball through the air. Stanley has a big game. Get him back involved this week? They, they need to get him back involved they do. this week. He was not involved. He had two catches last week. Um, and, like... Something like 90 yards and 60 yards in the, the two previous games. But that's not enough for him. Like, he needs to – Every we keep going through these games, and I keep thinking, where is Stanley Morgan at? Like, right. He needs to get more involved. I think this will be the week that he can get more involved because I think Nebraska can stretch things vertically. Um, and it, it'll be so nice. 41-24. Like, even if they score 30 and a win and they win by double digits, I think it's just it, – it, it will be exactly what the doctor ordered as you head into Bethune-Cookman. I like it. It'll be great. Hopefully. Greg, thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. It was uh, fun. It, it was <laughs> it was adequate is what you wanted to say. That's fine. We kept it short this week. I'm I'm happy. Feels weird. Why does it feel weird? We usually go. We're usually long winded. Yeah, we usually go a little bit longer. That's fine. Well, we don't have anything new to talk about until they get a win. <laughs> And that'll be after this week. We're going to reach a point. Yes, it will be after this. We're going to reach a point where if they keep losing, I'm just going to be like, I only write about winning teams. I'm not writing anymore. <laughs> no more podcasts. Well, no this more stories. week you'll be able to write about a winning team. <laughs> it also just means that we will have so much more to write about if they win. Yes. Because right now it's just, and we're doing a good job. Check out <laughs> hillvarsity.com. <laughs> taking a sharp left turn. <laughs> <laughs> but we need some new things to write about. So Nebraska, please help us out here. Greg's got Big Red Recon posted on site. Uh, that went out. We're recording this on a Friday. It went out before we started recording, so make sure you read that. It'll keep you updated. We'll have plenty of coverage throughout the weekend. Soccer plays on Sunday in a really big match that they need. I think there's volleyball this weekend, probably. Um, we'll have coverage from Minnesota game, obviously. And then next week, hopefully, we will have a winning football team to talk about. Greg, it was fun. Thank you. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>